Good morning, everybody. Well, we're here again every Sunday in our usual seats, in our usual places, doing this most of our Christian life, sitting down in the pew, listening to God's word. And you guys are probably familiar with the process of how it works and the songs, and then you wait for the message, and you're kind of getting used to that. But to be honest with you, every message I preach, it feels like it's the first time I'm preaching. I don't know why and I don't know how or whatever, but that's my experience. It is like the first time I'm preaching. And with a ball in my stomach and a cloud in my head, that's my experience. It's like the first time that I'm preaching. And all we're doing is basically trying to get people to be formed and molded into the image of Jesus. Day in, day out, our Bible studies, our sermons, our preaching, that you are all molded into the character of Christ. That's all we're doing. And it feels like it's the first time I'm talking to you this morning. Because I'm battling... A whole crowd of different opinions. People with different theology. People with different emotions and, and issues and problems. And I'm thinking to myself, unless the word of God himself speaks by his Holy Spirit, this is the most hopeless case in the world. In fact, the Bible says that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to expound the riches of heaven. Imagine that. So I stand before you today like a foolish man. Trusting in only God and his word and his spirit to move and speak to your heart and in your lives. You've come with your own challenges, with your own opinions, with your own doctrines, with your own theories, with your own ideas. And all I've come is with the word of God. Trusting that his spirit will speak to your heart. Believing that any of you who has a heart for truth, that the Spirit of God will speak to you. That's why we do it in hope. You know, Paul said that I pray without ceasing, consistently praying that your eyes of your understanding be enlightened. And I like that because he bypasses the heart and he says, you must see this. That you would see this, because if you speak to the heart, the heart is deceitful. And everyone at this moment has all their opinions and whatever their views are, and their heart can be quite distracting. But Paul says, I pray that your eyes are opened. And I can feel this, I understand this, because that's how I feel like when I get up here for the first time to preach. I pray that your eyes are enlightened, like it's something just clicks, that you just see it for what it is. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. That you would know that. The hope of his calling. What does it even look like when God calls someone? What does it even look like in a, in a person's life? That you would know there is a hope that Christ came to give to all those who believe in him. You would know that. Not religiously, not like you know we go to church. That you may know the riches of the glory of his in, inheritance. 
Well, that what, what has been given over to you because of what Jesus Christ has done, that you would know that this morning. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, that you would know his power in your life to those who believe. This is Paul is praying without ceasing. It's what we do all the time, every Sunday morning, every Bible study, every prayer, that the church of God, you guys, would know. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ. So everything that was in Jesus, all the power of the Father that was at work in Christ, that it would be known in you. And I like this, in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. The work the Father did in Christ. You could sum up, literally, the fundamental truths of God in two words. In Christ. In Jesus. In him. We've got to make sure we're in him and not in ourselves. Let's pray. We've got to make sure that we're in him and not in ourselves. I pray for you this morning that as you have your heads bowed, that you would come not trusting in the man at the front. But honestly, like, you know, God's not going to let you down. He's not going to let you down. I guarantee, I promise you, God's not going to let you down. If you come hungry and wanting, God will fill whatever it is that you're seeking. And if you come and pray and you ask, Lord God, here I am. I want to hear you. I don't want to be religious about this. I don't want it to be this kind of practicing thing that I'm doing and not really understand it. I really want to know you. And I need to know what it is to be in you and not in myself. Father in heaven, I pray, Lord God, for this morning, as your word goes out to every head and heart bowed before you, you've brought him here, Lord. By your Holy Spirit, you've drawn us to your truths and your word as we sit around the fire, Lord God, to hear that you may burn away everything that is of ourselves, that you may shine and blaze in our heart. That the world may know that we are in you, just like the Father was in you, and that you are in us. Cast out every distraction, everything that hinders us from hearing your truth. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've got to make sure we're in him, not in ourselves. See, Paul, he wrote to the Philippian church, and he was expressing to them how important it was for him before God that he was to be found in him in him not having my own righteousness he says which is from the law the law of do and don't and good and bad he goes I want to know that there is nothing in me, but that which is through faith in Christ, 
the righteousness which is from God by faith. That, that, that was his prayer. This has always fascinated me, this, this verse. It's always fascinated me. And I think we don't understand it as Christians. I think the church doesn't understand it as Christians. This is probably almost like contradictory to everything that you ever read in the Bible. That he doesn't want to be found having his own righteousness, but the righteousness which comes by faith in Christ. Simply put, we spend most of our time preaching a gospel that tells people, don't be bad people, don't be bad people. And here, if you listen carefully, Paul is saying, don't be good people, if you can understand it. Don't be good people. That's what he's saying. So I, I, I'm always seeking God to make sure that I'm not a good person. That there is no righteousness that comes through the law. What's the law? Whatever it is that makes you think you're good. You've got to be very, very careful as Christians. And it's always been an issue in the Christian church. The battle between what truly is the righteousness of Jesus or what really is the righteousness of religion or Christianity or laws. Mind you, if you listen carefully to what Paul is saying, you study his words before that passage. He tells you he was good. And there's nothing wrong with that. Most people would say, oh, the reason why he thinks he was good, he was actually following something wrong. No, he wasn't. Paul wasn't following anything wrong. Paul says that if you want to boast about something, if you want to feel confident about something, I have more confidence than all of you if you want to brag. That's what he says. He says, because if you want to look at it, if I'm going to be confident about something in the flesh, in my goodness, well, mate, I was a Pharisee. We were the elite of the religious groups. We knew the law. And if you want to look about knowing stuff, I knew it. I knew it all. Forget about Paul being a Pharisee or a Jew. Just look at him as a Christian and, let him, and listen to his words as, if, as he talks as a Christian. See, brothers and sisters, we've got to understand as Christians, there is no confidence no matter how long you've been a Christian in the flesh. And so be very careful because what happens as a Christian, you begin to grow in the faith and you begin to understand a little bit more and more and more and more. And then you start getting puffed up. And then all of a sudden you also walk like Jesus wants you to walk. And you are actually doing what Jesus wants you to do. And you, you still miss the mark. Paul was brilliant. He says, in my zeal, like in my zeal, my excitement for the things of God, I was killing Christians. Well, Paul, you're a Jew, right? No, it's got nothing to do with me being a Jew. Because even as a Christian, I'm so zealous, I am defeating Christians. Even as a Christian, I'm fighting against theologians. And look, I know the doctrines and I know the knowledge of God. And look how I'm walking. Look what I'm doing. Look, look how I live. <laughs> You've just gone on the opposite side of what Jesus came to do. I don't know if you, I hope you understand me. I, I, I honestly don't know whether you do. Like, I know maybe few of you possibly but the expounding of God's truths is, is, is honestly very hard to articulate. And people will judge you on the words you say. And they want you to be perfect in how you say it. But in all honesty, if God was relying on the words that I speak, you guys are most miserable. 
But God's spirit is at work and moving in your hearts. And if you understand the spirit of those words and you understand the spirit of what I'm preaching, you understand. And God will enlighten your eyes. That's why I don't worry too much about my words. I don't know if you noticed, when I preach, I, I flumber. Like, like, what's flumber? You know? So, I, 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 you know, I read the genealogies and I look at the names and I'm, I don't care. And I'm sorry if that offends you, you know, I, I do try. But that's not my focus. Did you know you said this word and this, this? You're right, you, you, you could be right, but did you understand the spirit? Did you understand the spirit of the message? Did you know that when you read the New Testament and they quote the Old Testament, did you know they don't quote them exactly how the Old Testament is? <laughs> Can you imagine like pick, picking faults and saying, oh, you know, you, you, you misquoted? It's because it's not about that. It's not perfecting the things in the flesh. There is no confidence in the flesh. Like it means little to me how you think the preaching went. But it means a lot if you could see. If you could see. Zealousness doesn't make it in Christ. Knowing all about God doesn't make you in Christ. In fact, being in prayer doesn't make you in Christ. You could be someone who spends an hour, two hours behind this door. Praying, praying, and still come out and preach lies. I remember in the early days of the church when we used to pray, the prayers always somehow sounded more like I, I, I. Me, Lord. Lord, do it in me, Lord. I am a sinner, Lord. I need you, Lord. You hardly hear those prayers anymore. I don't know if you notice. If you have a discerning spirit, you will hear that that's not the prayers of the church today. The prayers of the church today are, we Lord, us Lord, we are sinners Lord, we have gone astray Lord. Rarely do you hear man, godly, in holiness say, me Lord. So this is what I'm talking about when Paul says, I don't want my own righteousness. It's deceitful. It's deceitful. Because you could pray hours, we, 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 and never be heard. It's like church. You could be in church and not be in Christ. You could be sitting down going, what time does this message finish? Or look for a reason not to be here. And, and if you find a righteous reason not to be here, then good. Because bonus points to the confidence of the flesh. Do you know what I mean? So it's pointless and vain to continue in this state. Because you might as well go out into the world and live. What do you think Jesus was against the Pharisees when they long prayers and repetition? Because they deceived themselves thinking that this is what being in Christ is. But it's not. Being in Christ, there is no confidence in the flesh. Not even in your knowledge. Not even in your doctrines. Not even in your theology. Not even in the things that you've kind of analysed in the scriptures and the revelations of God. How many revelations of God are there that can be so divided? How many conversations can you have with people about, I don't think we should do this. I think we should do this. I don't think we should do this. I think we should do this. And everyone is boasting 
about the knowledge they have in their head that they're the right ones. And God says, you are not in me. Does this sound familiar to you? When they stood before God? And what did he say to them? Listen, they came to him and they said, but we did this in your name. We healed the sick in your name. You could be in my name, but not in me. It's the same story with the disciples. The disciples walked with Jesus, but only at the power of his resurrection and he rose from the dead, he was able to be in them. There's the difference. Christians don't behave the way the disciples behaved when they were walking with Jesus. That's just being with Jesus. That's just being in his name. That's just just being um, wrestling in the confidence of the flesh. We know Jesus. We follow Jesus. Let's go with Jesus. But to be in Christ is a completely different, I was going to say ball game, completely different. Now, I know these are just words to you. I honestly do. I know they're just words to you. Unless the Spirit of God says to you, stop, just stop. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Just listen. Don't analyze this message. Don't dissect it. Just listen to the Spirit of God that's knocking at the door of your heart. Don't resist it because the body will. The temptations to kind of, oh, this is a bit, oh, you know, don't do that. Just listen to God. Listen to the the Lord. Because this is what he says. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5 to 6. 1 John chapter 2 verse 5 to 6. But whoever keeps his word, whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this, we know that we are what? We are what? In him. him. He who says he abides in him, what? Ought himself also to walk just as he walked. How good's that? Very clear. Jesus was never complicated. He was never complicated. Jesus was, was against the theologians because the theologians complicated it. They put law and law and law and law and never got to the knowledge of the truth. Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected. If you're not keeping his word, then the love of God is incomplete. But if you're keeping his word, it is perfected in and by this, by this, by the perfection of this love. You know you are in him. Radical, radical, and I think it's as well, unless the Spirit of God moves in your heart, you probably still don't understand what I'm saying. But to me, it's very clear abide in Him as He is and walk as He walks. Because only, listen, only being in Him, there's completeness. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. And you are complete in Him who is the head of 
of all principality and power. There isn't a power that is stronger or greater than him. In him you are complete. This is why it's miserable for anyone to be in themselves. Because they can feel like they're complete, but they're not. Only in him. Everything is in him. Listen to this. Acts chapter 17 verse 28. For in him, in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your poets have said, we are also his offspring. We are from him. Three things. I want to dissect it for you. One, we live. In him, we live. Two, in him, we move. Now, these aren't just kind of uh, creative words. These are real truths. We live, we move, and we have our being. Break it down. In him, we live. Our sustenance. Our necessities, our physical well-being, it's in Him. When you go to work and you make your money, it's in Him. Your, 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 your physical needs, it's in Him you live. And then He says, we move. Every step, our direction, our priority, it's in Him. We move. Our decisions in Him. And then He says, our being, our being, our soul, your your very essence, who you are, it's in Him. Very clever man, Paul. John was clever too. He says this in Him was life. And life was the light of men. In him was life. And that life, that life was the light of men. I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating when in him is the life and that life was the light of men. Why would you not want to be in him? Why would you want to be elsewhere? Or why would you want to be in yourself? When in him, he is everything Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 to 17. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Visible, the things you see and the things you don't see. Whether they're going to be thrones, they're going to be dominions, they're going to be the politicians, whether they're going to be the presidents, the principalities, the powers, whatever rule, whatever the authority, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all. All things, and here it is, and in Him all things consist. In Him, everything is Him. Makes your kind of your problems and your issues just all of a sudden become nothing. Because He is the power, He's the He has the authority, and it's in Him. Not in the plans you make. Because when you make plans, there's a confidence in your flesh. But in Him, it's all good. This was, brothers and sisters, before the foundation of the world, the plan of God for you to be in Him. 
before we even existed. This was the whole reason why you were given birth and you breathed today. Is so that you can be in Him. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. I love this passage. And I don't understand when people, they, 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 they get so excited about this part, when they say things like, oh, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. We were predestined to be in Him before the foundation of the world. A hundred percent. Completely. It's in the Bible. I see it. But why have you not seen what else it says? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Did he not predestine that as well? Of course he did. That's what it says. So we get caught up with devilish thinking. Thinking that is the carnal flesh that's, that's instigating these doctrines. But the Spirit of the Lord would have you know His Word is only understood by those that are His. By those that are His. That's why we don't need to argue anymore. Do you know? I was having a conversation with someone the other day. Can we do, can I do this? Can we do that? Is it right for Christians to do this? Is it right for Christians to do that? Firstly, this is not the Christian language, brothers and sisters. We don't talk like that, right? Firstly, can I, can I not? It's not like that. Love compels you to do what you need to do, right? But I said to the person, I said, do you love God with all your heart? Do you love him with all your soul? Do you love him with all your mind and with all your strength? Do you? And if you can say yes, then do whatever you want to do. And I had to attach on that part, but don't be deceived. No problem, that's Christianity. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And if you know, then do whatever you want to do. Don't argue with me. Let's not debate it. Because I'm not your God. I'm not your Lord. But one day you will stand before the great king and you will give an account. And that's no debate. The the, the church of God doesn't have contentions like this. Because we know these are vain and they're superficial because in the end there is only one judge and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Why, since the beginning of creation, did God ordain for us to be in Him, in holiness and in righteousness, so that the will of God can be accomplished, fulfilled? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, when all is done, We're going to gather together in all things in Christ. We are the manifestation of the work of Jesus and what he did as one body. And when that time is done and everything's finished, we are going to be representatives of the work of Jesus as one body. 
glorious, unbelievable. I've got lots of scriptures. I've got so many. My wife asked me, are you preaching? And I said, yes. She goes, okay, 30 minutes. She was, she was teasing me about my last messages that I just finished in 30 minutes. So I'm going to make it up. I'm going to make up more time, if you don't mind, because I've shortened the messages before. But there's so many scriptures here. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in that with thanksgiving. It's all there. The necessity, the need, the desperation to be in Him. Without being in Him, none of the promises of God are fulfilled in your life. Listen. For all the promises of God in Him are yes. And in Him there are amen to the glory of God through us. The promises of God only exist to those that are in Him with confidence. Even confidence. Now this is the confidence that we, walk, we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. This is our confidence. If we're not in Him, He doesn't hear us. It's being in Him. We are confident. It's like, I, I, heard, I heard a a story about how scientists are taking these these mice and they're, they're learning a lot about um, their behavior by putting them into water and they watch them paddle like you know like trying to keep afloat and they did that and they did that uh, once with a, with a mouse and it took the mouse about two I think two minutes and uh, and it stopped the mouse stopped. Two minutes and the mouse started to kind of let go and sink. Till the scientist came and saw this sinking mouse and pulled it out. Not, not long after that, they decided to get the same mouse again and put it in the water. Same experiment, same thing, same situation. And the, the mouse went. And the mouse went for 17 hours the second time. 17 hours the second time. Why? Because it was waiting for that hand to come. See, the first time it came in two minutes, right? And at two minutes, oh, I'm saved. So waiting for that hand to come. 17 hours it kept going. 17 hours. Unbelievable, right? Look at the Christian's confidence. How many times when in Christ you are fighting a fight and the Lord comes to your defense, he comes to your protection and he pulls you out. And so therefore the Christian fights and fights and fights because how many times the Lord has demonstrated himself strong and they wait in confidence knowing 
that they're going to be delivered. This is in Christ. But in the flesh, forget it. In the flesh, it's all carnal. It's a battle of wisdom and, and um, uh, knowledge and, and physical, at times, physical uh, affliction. But not so the one who is in Christ. Their confidence is built on their Savior. Their freedom. Their freedom. And you know, you know that Jesus Christ, he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him, there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. Now, I don't know how your mind's spinning round, because I'm sure you've got a lot of questions. I think it's been the history of the church always wrestling this passage so that people can understand it. And in the history of the church, I believe there's been that one, two, one, two. I get it. I get it. I get it. By the grace and goodness of the Holy Spirit enlightening people's eyes. For he, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, for he made him, made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So that's, that's the truth of the gospel. That's the truth of, of the message. That's why, and I'll finish with this wonderful passage here now. That's why Jesus said this. John chapter 15, verse 4 to 6. If you want to draw your attention, this will be the last verse that we look at, and I'll finish after I share this with you. John chapter 15, verse 4 to 6. I don't know, but my... The ball that I had here has gone. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm thrilled on the inside. And normally that's the case. That's what happens. Like, I just get this kind of a sense of peace. And I'm at, I'm at rest. Like, I've just had a really good shower. And I'm laying in my bed ready to sleep. That's what I, I'm just telling you how it feels. And, and I feel like now I'm, I'm okay. Listen to these. Because to, to me, this is beautiful news, to be honest. Because all I'm saying to you is this, is that stop, stop being miserable being in the flesh. Stop uh, uh, sinking because of the flesh. Stop having confidence in your flesh. Realize that in the end, everything is in him. That's all. Everything is in him. And this is why Jesus says this. John chapter 15, verse 4. Abide, what? In me. And I in you. Because you see, a branch, it can't bear fruit of itself. Unless it does what? Unless it abides in the vine. And neither can you, unless you do what? Unless you abide in me. Abide in me. Stay in me. Stay in me. Dwell in me. 
Paul says, I don't want anything of my flesh. Paul says, even my theology, man, I don't even trust that. He says, I don't claim to know anything other than him and him crucified. And if any man thinks he knows, he doesn't know what he ought to know. Because they don't understand that they have to abide in him. That's what Paul says. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, they're going to bear much fruit. They're going to, they're going to, you don't have to be discouraged, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't, you don't have to be discouraged coming in today thinking, oh, I'm such a hopeless Christian. Oh, I'm such a bad Christian. I'm so, yes, amen. You say, God, I am a bad Christian and this is who I am. But in you, not in me, I'm not going to walk out from today and try to be a better person because I've just understood that being a better person is going to be just as worse. But in you, Lord, I admit, I confess, I am broken. I am weak. I am lost. Christians aren't praying this anymore. They're preaching in their prayers. But no one's coming broken. Asking him, Lord, me first. Me first. If you do that, I believe you can walk out in confidence and freedom in righteousness in holiness, claiming victory in Jesus and walking and dominating over sin. Not because of the flesh. Because Christ and you are in him. Back to verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. I like this because it doesn't say a branch that is dead. It says a branch that is withered. Meaning there is... It was life and it's dried out. So I don't know how people argue their doctrines, but there's a branch that basically was green and then it kind of just withered. Because they didn't abide, they didn't continue. And they gathered them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. I'm going to finish with this. This is John writing a letter. And he says, and now little children, abide in him. That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Have you ever been convinced of something in your heart and in your mind, only to be found that you were wrong? Have you ever kind of, you know, when you kind of uh, delay fellowship or you step away from, from church and you're so convinced about certain things only to come to church and be convicted by the Holy Spirit and say, what, 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 what happened? How did I think like that? Where, where did I go wrong? Have you ever had that? I have. You know, and I've sat down, I've listened to God's word and the Holy Spirit's cut my heart and I'm thinking, well, how did I even believe that? Well, that's what's going to happen in the end days. In the end days, a lot of Christians at his appearing are going to be found ashamed. That's what the Bible's saying. And he's saying, John is saying that your confidence is that when he appears, you're not going to be ashamed. That your confidence that when he comes, you're not going to be ashamed. 
at his coming. Because the Spirit of the Lord has done its work and has cleaned you up while you're here, dwelling, waiting for his return. And you have no other desire in your heart than to dwell and stay in him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Let's, let's just forget about this church thing. Let's just forget about this, this thing that we do. And like I feel like it's always the first time I'm preaching. Maybe you can feel like it's the first time you heard a message from God. Maybe this is the first time you heard God speak. Don't, don't try and uh, let your, 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 your mind of the past and mind of, of what you know and don't know influence other than what you just heard this morning like it's the first time. And respond to it like it's the first time. By faith. Whatever the Lord spoken to your heart, spoken to your life, respond to him. He is God. I want to pray for you, Father in heaven. Thank you, Father, for your words. Your word is indeed so clear, so precise. There's no confusion, Father, in your truths. To all those who hear your voice and those who have eyes, make yourself known to them. Pray, Father, that you would reveal more and more of your beauty and what you have achieved in your Son and granted to give to us the power in Him that rose Him from the dead given freely to all those who believe. If there's any confidence in ourselves, Lord, tear that away from us, Lord, and break us down till we're humble. Humble me, Lord. Humble me, Lord God. Humble me by your mercy, by your kindness, by your goodness. Teach me, Lord, to trust you in everything and you know those things that I'm challenged to trust in but you Lord God are able all your promises Lord to me are yes and amen thank you Lord God for your words your wisdom your peace your grace your goodness all that you are I thank you for this life for the light we commit ourselves to you Lord God this church your protection your safety Continue to bless every heart, every head bowed before you, Lord God. Those who are seeking you, Lord God, that they may find you, Lord. I pray, Father, you would bless this morning, this day, in the, the coming weeks with your word. Bring it into remembrance. And bless everyone this morning, Lord God, as you send them out with power, with grace, Father. Setting them free. Leaving their sins, their shame the issues behind them in the name of your son Jesus Christ I pray and I ask you this you would set this church free anyone who walks into this place Father may know of your presence your power and the love in our hearts one to each other Lord God by your goodness I ask you this Lord God I pray in Jesus name